Hi, this is Alex Hicken with the Very Hicken Bros Podcast, and I'm sorry if uh, the distortion of my theme song has bothered you, but uh, yeah, that is what I composed. I don't know chords or chord progressions very well, so I added a little texture to my little theme song. I was a little late publishing last week's episode because I was hanging out with the Clough family. And last Sunday, instead of editing the podcast, I was actually watching one of the last few Studio Ghibli films. Trevor's here. Yeah, I'm still around. Yeah, I'm going to do a little quick review and I'll follow up on him. Yeah, but I don't think only yesterday was uh, one of the newest ones. It seems like it came out in 1999. I thought it was 91. 91, yeah, but still, it's not new. (laughs) Yeah, but it came out in the United States for the first time, like, last year or the year before with the English dub. Yeah. Sometimes when I read manga, I'm a slice-of-life person. And only yesterday is the ultimate slice-of-life film. I really like it. It has a lot of messages about life obviously because it's a slice of life it's a kind of a nice break from all the fantasy of studio ghibli the most recent film wasn't uh, sci-fi or fantasy i believe the most recent was uh, something to do with the world war ii but uh, it still had a theme of uh, environment most studio ghibli films have has some environmental theme in it the film's a little slower than modern films i think it might uh, be a little weird to get used to it's kind of nice to have kind of like a chill slower paced thing because life is not always super fast and exciting <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, I really recommend it. it. I would say it's my favorite Studio Ghibli film. Yeah, so Trevor, I saw that you could put Netflix on your Google Hub device. Um, did you do that? No, but I like that I can now. I'll probably use it when I'm doing things in the kitchen so I don't have to use my phone or TV. That's Cool. Yeah, you don't have to dedicate your time to sit on the couch. You could, like, cook and stuff while you're watching. Yeah, it's nice. It's going to be easy because apparently you can just, uh, like, go to a sec- section or just, like, ask it to open Netflix and then you can scroll through your recommendations or what's popular and just select from there. So it's kind of cool. So how long have you had the Nest Hub or what device did you get? The Google Home Hub is basically the same thing as the Nest Hub. It's just a rebrand name. Uh, mm. I think, what, a year now? Yeah, it's a kind of I interesting t- device, I think. I don't really know. It's like kind of like smart display. I don't know. It's uh, The device purpose is kind of uh, weird to unknown. It's kind of like a smart, uh, normal 
clock? <laughs> no, it's more like a tablet that you don't bring around everywhere. Okay. I'm just surprised it took them like a year for them to ha- have Netflix on there. Mm-hmm. Because that would be, that I think that would be your key feature trying to sell off. That's, I feel like that's one of the things you'd want to do when you get the device. But like now it's finally here, but I don't know. It's a good timing because everyone's home. So it's good. It's finally here. I think it'd be a key feature because a lot of people that cook or whatever, they don't, they might not have the TV like facing the kitchen. Yeah. So you could still have the TV and you don't have to just listen to the noise. You could just you yeah. can watch it also. There also uh, was a new leak for your favorite buds, the uh, Bean Buds from Samsung, <laughs> the Galaxy Buds. Uh-huh. Did you uh, look into what it had? It's pretty interesting. It has, compared to like other cheaper buds, it actually has the active noise cancellation. And <laughs> it plays up to 4.5 hours with that and 5.5 hours without it. So you get an extra hour if you don't want to, like, cancel out noise. But it can mm-hmm. last up to 28 hours just sitting in your ear, which is cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. You can just, like, be a cyborg and have it on call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, they might work well with my ears. My ears don't work well with putting like earplugs and stuff in it so i don't think the apple airpods do that but i'm not really into the airpods so i never considered using it yeah but uh, i think those bean pods (laughs) they should work well with my um ears yeah they're a lot cheaper than the airpod pro also it's like what so 170 to 150 so it's like what $80 cheaper yeah not bad wow it's supposed to come out and be revealed soon probably with that next Samsung unboxing with yeah Trevor has a bunch of little quick follow-up items <laughs> yeah but uh remember last last week we were talking about like oh yeah Apple is trying to stay away from China and so they can guarantee their uh, iPhone uh, production is uh, steady. They finally uh, create uh, made their first iPhone in Chennai, India. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's supposed to. Apparently, by selling it locally in India, it's uh, saving them twenty percent um, from importing it. Like a twenty percent import duty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they're trying to sell and invade over in India, maybe I'll help them. Yeah, I thought I heard someplace that they made the 10R there. They have a Indian, they make iPhone 10Rs over there. I don't know what they mean, first flagship. Maybe they mean that they're making the 11 Pro Max or something like that. No, it's, it's just iPhone 11s. Hmm. Yeah, but guess, guess what they're... Uh, Market percent is over in India. It's a zero point five percent. One percent. One percent. Oh, that's. Yeah. 
I thought the uh, Android had more than 99%. No. If you're optimistic, Apple has a lot of um, selling to do, right? They have a huge market to work with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people nowadays like to word the like to use the word bullish. Kind of, I don't know. It's kind of weird how Apple kind of tries to differentiate themselves from any other phone company. They try to be Apple versus everybody else, and yeah. they try to be like completely different. They're not going to make any like accommodations for India other than make the phones there. <laughs> they try and they have their own differentiations, and they're going to play their own game. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to want to make an Indian phone. That's not um, they're just cause confusion and one more phone to develop for and do you remember when uh microsoft said they're getting back into the phone game last year it was like in november <laughs> <laughs> yeah that announcement was pretty disappointing because they're announcing a phone that's gonna come yeah. out like more than a year so later. like <laughs> This phone hasn't changed at all from what they announced it to be. So it still has the um, rumors uh, say the 855 Snapdragon, which we are in the modern era. We're in this 865. <laughs> or even the newest ones are coming with 865 Plus. So it's like, what is it supposed to be? Like a uh, 30% power? I don't know. I heard it's supposed to be more powerful than the 865. And then the RAM uh, <laughs> options are 4 to 6 with up to 256 gigabyte storage. But, um, yeah, it came through the FCC uh, this last week, which is, like, the standard, like, uh, testing and making sure everything is compliant with U.S. laws and mm-hmm. bans and things. So it is taught that's supposed to have, like, a 8 the 2.4 and 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi waves and the major LTE bands. Yeah, this launch is like worse than the Pixel line. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, you know the Duo is it's the one that folds up, so it's it showed that in the FCC demo, and mm-hmm. uh, it's supposed to have Android 10. Not not bad, but uh, hopefully it's received because I like the idea of it. I just think Microsoft should have uh, worked on it through this year and just upgraded the inside. I don't, maybe it's too hard to do that since the design is such a intricate thing, like with the folding mechanism and keeping it thin and stuff. It'd be a whole rework if you did do that. I don't know. Maybe it's not modular. Yeah, they should be working on the third version by now. <laughs> They should have released this like uh, like five years ago. <laughs> it's a old yeah. design. It's not very innovative. <laughs> yeah, but it'd be cool. Maybe it's cheaper. Maybe it'd be sold as a mid range and like four hundred bucks. Maybe people would actually get it. <laughs> They've been developing this for so long. I don't think they could sell it for cheap. Uh, it seems like this is going to be like another one of those devices that doesn't really yeah. sell very well. I mean, maybe you'll have some like maybe Microsoft Office is free with it. And like if you're a student, you get like a heavy discount. I don't know. Maybe students will get it and 
Yeah, and if not, you have to pay like yeah, maybe you get ten dollars like a month. Free LTE, <laughs> and you just have to tell everyone about it or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really excited about this Surface Duo. It's Microsoft's play in mobiles. I don't know. They can't figure it out. Yeah, I mean, at this point, the LG, um, what is that? The new ones called the new designed ones. They're basically the same idea, but produced faster and with newer things inside. Yeah, LG is on their second version already. <laughs> so uh, we have One OnePlus's finally uh, announced their Nord device after a month of teasing and rumors. It's exactly what uh, they were leaked to be. It's 90 hertz refresh rate with the 5G and with the. It's like uh, I think they call it sub six gigahertz 5G. I'm guessing it's uh, the standard uh, around what we have here. It has warp charge 30T, which is I think that's standard, right, in mm-hmm. most OnePlus devices. Then. Uh, the cameras we talked about last week, the 48 megapixel and the wide angle and the selfie side. And it's supposed to be 450, 600 or so in the um, high-end uh, storage ver- version with, with the 12 gigabyte ver- uh, RAM. Then like 450 for the 8 gigabyte. That's not bad. Really? That's pretty close to $500. Yeah, but it has a uh, OLED screen. Oh, nice. The design's supposed to be... Take the best design you can make for the money you're restricted to, so... Yeah, I mm-hmm. hope it's uh, come stateside. I'd buy it. The people reviewing it said that uh, everything's pretty much the same, like, speed-wise, as the flagships. Like, no hiccups, no, like, slowdowns. So that's pretty good. I, I think it's... Uh, Good thing to see mid rangers come back as a full-fledged thing instead of just, like, compromised <laughs> smart, uh, uh, flagship. Yeah, this phone seems to be the same caliber as the flagships. They might have a little better specs, but not much different, I don't think. Yeah, it doesn't have wireless charging. doesn't have, like, uh, full waterproof, but, I mean, for the everyday use, you're saving what 400 bucks so it's worth it for everything you get you get what you need and it's like a promise two two years mm-hmm. update for the latest and oneplus is pretty good they're, like they're sh- shortly behind google and how fast they uh, get their updates out it's promising nice so this week at work my superintendent for some reason he likes to talk with the owner's rep <laughs> so he's kind of in the end mm-hmm. with the client <laughs> for some reason <laughs> my superintendent told me that uh, he the owner's rep works for a company that was purchased by mm-hmm. lego it's actually purchased by a company called kirby kirkby <laughs> they uh, they're a holding company for lego's founding family i posted on uh, social media that I've worked for uh, Intel during an internship and I worked at building Apple's uh, new campus and now I'm working with uh, (laughs) working for Lego with their little solar projects 
holding companies, I think their purpose is to preserve assets or like increase assets for somebody. So they take the family of Legos、uh, assets and try to grow it. So they build this.、Uh, They're building solar farms to、um, just make money, I think. I was asked recently who owns this, who's, who's building the solar farm and stuff, and I didn't have an answer, but I still、yeah. I have, I have an answer now. Lego is actually like 100% renewable energy. None of their production is、uh, based on any energies that、uh, is not renewable. So they're big into.、Uh, That's good. That's clean cool. Clean energy. Like,、um, does that mean like everything they have、uh, produce, like for man- like making their toys and for the amusement parks, everything's like renewable energy? Yeah. Wow, cool. If I understand it correctly. <laughs> It's a、uh, sustainable company then. We've heard Alex's song in the beginning.、Uh, What、uh, inspired you to、uh, start <laughs> finishing that little melody you started with? Well, I was thinking about、uh, making a theme song, and I realized I already had a melody that I composed in a song that I wrote about eight years ago. And there's not that much to the melody, so it's basically a theme song. So I, might have, I thought I might as well make a theme song out of that. Was there like a theme you had in mind? Or is this just a melody that you like hummed around and like, oh, that's pretty cool, and then just like went with that? Well, I already actually wrote it for a close、uh, relationship that I had way back when. And it was like kind of a full song and didn't really have a chorus. Yeah, it, I think it had just a bunch of variations on that melody and it had a little like little solo <laughs> thing in it. <laughs> I wrote it out and had Thomas play it. And I had like a weird rest, a quarter beat rest at the end of every measure. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, Thomas recommended me that I don't do that.、Nice. <laughs> and I, I didn't do that this time around. I don't know much about chords or chord progression, so I wanted to add a little texture to it by making it a little glitchy. I cut out parts of it. And when I was going through all the, all the instruments that I have in the program, I, for some reason, I liked the sine, the sine wave. Um, sound. So I recorded both versions of that, and I thought uh, that, uh, yeah, I thought that if I had the sine wave slightly in the background, it could kind of sustain the piano、yeah. that's slightly all cut up, kind of. <laughs> so it's, it's not that it's like noticeable, but it's still. The sine wave sound is still consistent in the background, but the piano is all cut up. Yeah, so there's a little texture inside there. It's kind of weird that I, <laughs> it, after I finished it, I named it the glitchy sign because there's a sine wave and I kind of made it glitchy. But it, after listening to it, it, 
doesn't really sound glitchy. It sounds more like an old like record or something. <laughs> it has a little distortion, and then it's yeah. I thought uh, I, in that close relationship that I had, I kind of am represented in the sine wave because it's very consistent. The perfect sine wave that makes. Uh, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but the sine wave is perfect and very consistent. I'm a very consistent person. But uh, the relationship, the other person was a little yeah. glitchy, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the part I thought was kind of interesting was the distortion. I kind of like that. But was that intentional or was it just like part of the the side effect of it? Yeah, I would prefer to be more clean, but for some reason, Audacity, when I cut it up, I think it sounds fine when you uh, listen to it in the program, but when you produce the MP3 of it, all the cutting of the sounds makes the distortions. My first original recording of it, it was clean, and then Trevor said, oh, you should put a kind of a counter melody or something. So I put a little bass line to it, and when I put, and I cut that up, I cut up the bass line a little bit, it made it even more distorted. Yeah. I think it'd be cool if you decide to work on it. Can you make some kind of glitchy, like the music's messed up? when you it kind of like fades it like to like a messed up version of like a notes or something and it's all glitchy you know like a i don't know like it's distorted not distorted but you know like cuts out and things like that be a lot of work though yeah <laughs> yeah i liked how i made it because i was actually able to write out the notes on this program but for some reason it didn't have an mp3 export thing so i recorded it with my microphone and i didn't want it to be just like perfect robotic thing <laughs> so i messed with the beat a little bit so to make it not as consistent because if someone's like perfect beat and stuff it might not feel as organic so i messed with the the beats per minute slightly to make it a little bit more expressive also in the program audacity that i was using i took that recording and I put some dynamics to it and I think it feels like it might be actual people playing I'm not sure but I think it's I'm happy with it nice yeah and that's uh what we have for the first uh intro and uh follow-up so we have a few topics Alex and I are gonna go back and forth uh I'm gonna start I have um Elon Musk He's going to start a new kind of insurance for some things, and yeah. And Alex has an augmented reality and has some interesting uh, astrophysics at the end, so can always look forward to that. Uh, Elon Musk is mm -hmm. uh, surprisingly just launching his own insurance company for cars, mainly his Tesla line, because the way it works is, you know, there is like... Um, Within insurance companies, now they, like, have ways to track your driving, like how you brake, if you're stopping at lights, and how fast you're driving. It's natural, I think, within the Tesla cars that they already have these all built in, that um, Tesla could use this uh, data to create uh, insurance that could be even lower than the competitors. 
it's supposedly going to be 20% lower, which makes <laughs> sense. I bet you for a Tesla, insurance is super expensive because there's such a high-end vehicle. Yeah, there's probably a lot more parts and stuff to deal with. It's not like a normal car. I don't know. Yeah, they're working with someone or like, is he just going to like, just create like a full on insurance company, like hire a bunch of like people to represent him? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I think this really makes sense because eventually, or Elon Musk did propose at one time that once the fully automated functionality works you could uh, have the car just go and pick up people and <laughs> drive around and stuff yeah <laughs> and be so. like a self-driving taxi it makes sense that tesla is an insurance company because if you do enroll in that program i think tesla should insure their cars if your car is enrolled in a, yeah. their taxi program you shouldn't be liable for their self-driving cars and possible damage by other people in the yeah. car and stuff. A little side note, Elon Musk is also uh, looking into embeddable wearables in your body. So they want he wants to be able to make a chip or something <laughs> that you can have hooked up directly to your brain and stream things and track and monitor and give you live uh, internet body data, right? His uh, company, I guess, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a name already for it, but he's looking for 11 people to fill, including uh, offers for a mechanical engineer, a robotic software engineer, and a histology technician. I'm not sure what a histology technician does, but sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. If that'd be interesting, people are actually like be interested in putting things in their brain. I don't know. Apparently, you can just use a USB cable and it'd be able to plug into your brain or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would really go that far. Is it? <laughs> I think that's a whole different level of technology. Like I'm into wearable technology, You're but I don't think this is actually partying. wearable technology. It's, <laughs> yeah, this is actual like real cyborg stuff. I'm not. I don't yeah. really think about. I don't want to be a real cyborg. <laughs> yeah. So, how do you have uh, a new startup? It seems like another week, another startup still happening. Well, in the augmented reality, the um, the industry is a little different. <laughs> I uh, tooted on Macedon recently that augmented reality companies should learn from the self-driving car companies because they're thriving, but the augmented reality, they're like dying off. <laughs> but this article that I'm talking about today is more optimistic. It's the company that's not dying. They actually raised more than $10 million with Sequoia Capital and the Happiness Ventures recently. They were founded in 2017. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because a lot of AR companies like to go all out with all the sensors and be able to sense an area and be able to have items maybe in it and stuff. But the company that I'm talking about is called Mira. They are kind of they're trying to survive (laughs) they are in this augmented reality world where it's kind of hard to sell thousands of and thousand dollar products 
their devices are a little more low-key. They don't have all the sensors to sense all the things around. I think it has like a face mask, maybe? It's a face shield thing for industry, and it has a little display on it to see... Uh, it's kind of like a Android-type thing. It says basically yeah. a tablet on for your face, <laughs> just right in front of your face. And it has a little camera so you could uh, scan things. This mirror company is doing as I kind of suggested they do. They're doing a lot more uh, um, partnerships with companies trying to serve their needs. The device does have a touch interface and it has controls with your eyes. So that's kind of interesting. Kind of simplifying augmented reality seems to be a way to go for this company. You don't need a crazy yeah. cool design and stuff. Just <laughs> make it work for companies. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, promising, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I would kind of like one of these because when I go out in the field, I have to do reports and stuff. And sometimes my iPad says like, oh, it's too hot. I can't function. So it's like, okay, well, I have this tablet and I can't use it now. It'd be nice to have <laughs> some, I'd, I'd like to have the augmented reality kind of thing so I could do my reports and not have to carry around a tablet. It reminds me of like at Chick-fil-A, they have order takers go outside and they go to the cars and they use their iPad to take the orders. But in like these days in the summer, it gets super hot. If you could just bring them out like mm-hmm. uh, by how they are in the case, they overheat and then they just turn off. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> i never seen a device complain about being too hot like that until I went to Virginia a few weeks ago. <laughs> what Chick-fil-A has started to do is they have this protector for the screen. It, like, it basically looks like one of those voting or um, test-taking kiosks, but it's like for your tablet. So it covers all sides so light doesn't get onto it and it prevents a lot of... It's mm-hmm. like a hat your iPad so it doesn't get hot <laughs> yeah because if it does if you don't it's not gonna work yeah, you, you can't take orders and everyone's gonna be waiting in line yeah like my iPad 15 minutes just to get like one little thing of food <laughs> yeah my iPad came with a big black case and I took it out one time to work in out in the field but I don't know it's kind of a uh, weird how the iPad does nice that. I got some uh, Pokemon uh, clothing that's uh, being released by some Japanese companies. And like I talked about before, they had uh, Pokemon official like uh, button-up shirts, um, casual shirts, purses, bags. But, uh, this company's made underwear, I think, as a, the next step, you know, get your full outfit. So you have your... The, the six choices they have so far are... Yeah, the Kanto starter, so like the red and blue, Wordle, Charmander, and Bulbasaur, and Pikachu. And then they have uh, Eevee and Mew. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if... I would probably wear it if it wasn't underwear. If it was like a um, swim trunks, that'd be awesome. I feel like <laughs> maybe for people out there that really love yeah. Pokemon, they probably would get it. It's kind of cool because it has the Japanese names on it. So like Pikachu and then like... <laughs> Eevee is spelled differently, and Charmander is like Heto Kaigu. It has all their Japanese names and their numbers, so it's cool. Mm-hmm. I saw on a article picture this past week 
this guy was i don't know it seems kind of weird that it's still common today but this guy was sagging his pants he could totally see his underwear <laughs> so it seems like if sagging yeah. is still popular show nowadays you could show off you started you could kind of have opportunities to <laughs> show your pikachu or pokemon underwear <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. Maybe uh, maybe I'll trend more too. <laughs> yeah, you could uh, yeah. start sagging. <laughs> of these six, let's see. They have... Now what Pokemon do you choose? I don't know. It's probably like uh, Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur is my favorite starter from that the first game. The pack chain is pretty funny because all of the standard Pokemon have Pokeballs in it, but hmm. Mew has like a Master Ball in it. <laughs> yeah, Mew, you need that because they're so rare. It's not like Mewtwo where there's a spot where you go and you know where it's at. Yeah, it's like uh, Go. Did you see the Chinese Go's like, dream was to have their starter Pokemon be Mew? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember I, I saw that in the first episode. They saw Mew, but yeah, I didn't see, that, see that part when he really wanted to have Mew. Hopefully, uh, people can get that and show off their Pokemon. Um, <laughs> after that, we have a pretty cool announcement out of Square Enix, out of all people. I thought it was interesting to see them. Pu- they're the ones publishing it. It's a new 3D uh, platformer that is from the creators of Sonic and Knights. Mm-hmm. They both work together to make this whole new IP called Ballon uh, Wonderworld. When I when I was watching the trailer, Alex thought it was like an old '90s game, but like I feel like it kind of is <laughs> the way it's like presented, and it's like a smooth, more modern platformer style game. It's uh, basically there's a few characters. A uh, when you are sad or something, this train comes up and it brings around you to different fantasy worlds. I like the idea. It kind of reminds me of Kobe because there's like a bunch of different power-ups you can go through and costume changes. You can use them in all the different levels. There's like 80 different ones. Pretty crazy. I like how colorful it is. The way it is portrayed, it's kind of like a pop-up book when it first like shows you the world. Some of the worlds look like amusement park themes. You're like... Hmm. It kind of reminds me like if you went to an amusement park, you go to like different themed... Uh, like rides there's like a haunted mansion there's uh i don't know like disneyland basically but not disney that's exciting i i think the way it's designed Mm -hmm. like the characters they look (laughs) very sonic-esque they have the long like arms and legs and the designs are like they have really big eyes and things Mm -hmm. yeah i like to see those characters yeah, and then the villain, he he's like a magician, but dark, and he's like, uh, I guess he transforms people into, like, different fears, and, like, each of them looks like uh, something scary, or, hmm. they kind of remind me of, like, toys, or, like, a, a puppet, things like that. The way the bosses look like, from what the trailer ge- hmm. uh, shows, is, like, remember Soul Calibur, the way, like, uh... It's like a kind of like an arena. You can dodge and move around, and mm-hmm. basically you're trying to, like, yeah, it's like it's a regular boss battle. It's not like a uh, mm-hmm. crazy, nothing innovative, right? It's like a good classic modernized platformer. I think I'll play it. What is it coming out for? PlayStation Five or whatever one you want to play it on? 
it's coming out Xbox, PS4, PS5, and Switch and PC. Going to be like early 2021, February, I think. Sounds fun. Yeah, and Square Enix. Square Enix, I don't think has ever came out with a like 3D platformer like that before. My next uh, topic is KiwiBot. And KiwiBot is not a typical self-driving car company. They have they're basically the little remote control cars that could drive on their own. <laughs> As I was saying, self-driving car companies are good about uh, partnering with companies and thriving. KiwiBots has partnered with uh, Shopify and OrderMark, but they are only serving San Jose, California right now. If you're a Shopify client and you have a shop in San Jose (laughs) and one of your customers are in San Jose, (laughs) you could could use this KiwiBot API and you could have your things delivered with it. You have to be a Shopify. So is it for customer use or like store use? Like do you go to the app? like in Shopify and you can like select a Kiwi bot or is it like go to the store and then like the store ships it to you through means of this Kiwi bot? I'm not exactly sure how it works but I imagine that if you are like uh, maybe uh, you make cupcakes or something <laughs> and you have you use Shopify to make transactions and stuff so you go subscribe to or sign up for KiwiBot, and I think I would imagine you hmm. buy it or maybe rent the robot. There's two versions, I think. The current versions are 3.0 and 4.0, and so you just when somebody, if you serve the San Jose region and somebody orders it locally, you could just have put your <laughs> oh yeah cupcakes into the robot, and it'll drive there. <laughs> um, the yeah, it looks a little cute, and they are semi-autonomous. <laughs> Wait, what? They're semi. <laughs> They're semi-autonomous. They are not a semi-truck. <laughs> when I when I talk about semi-autonomous, <laughs> Nick always goes off about semi-trucks. <laughs> semi-autonomous means it's not completely autonomous. There are situations so, where a company would have somebody take control and so basically, get yeah, it out of a situation that it can't navigate with a remote control, and then it continues on its way. So basically, you have to have someone like watch these while they're delivering. Maybe at the headquarters, they have people watching oh, the cameras weird. just to see where they're going or help them out if they get stuck or something. The robots are small and cute, and huh. they. Um, drive on the sidewalk. That'd be fun to watch. <laughs> it's kind like, of fun. Everyone <laughs> I think. Just walking on the side. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because nowadays not many people use sidewalks and <laughs> we might see a bunch of uh, robots using the sidewalks more than humans do. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a fun future. And they're like talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, it'll bring like more life to <laughs> the streets. <laughs> You see robots going around. Like, oh, what are you delivering? Oh, I have this cupcake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is a fun company. Yeah, like, what if you 
wanted your phone delivered and then uh, got dropped. Yeah, you got to make sure you have the new uh, Gorilla Glass. This is amazing. This <laughs> <laughs> in order to, it won't break. The new Gorilla Glass, I've fed up with having uh-huh. my phones like randomly drop and then like for some odd reason the corner gets like scratched and it's just i I mean it it doesn't bother me it's just it's always there it's just i always notice it it never goes away the new version of gorilla glass is finally coming made to endure higher heights so two meters which is higher than most people's height in general (laughs) um so it's also more scratch resistant, two times more scratch resistant than the latest Gorilla Glass. <laughs> Proves on both drop and scratch performance. Wow. Samsung is supposed to be the first one to be using it. Maybe a Galaxy Note 20 or whatever is coming out this next fall might have it in it. Yeah, I wonder what uh, Jerry Rig everything is going to say about it. Yeah, it's finally going to be something that's going to get down to the higher uh, numbers. Maybe down, maybe down to what six or seven. <laughs> yeah, he says the same uh, thing every time. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think last year, a couple years uh-huh. ago, this other brand like, oh, we have this dragon something. It's like a different brand, but they also claimed uh, to be better than the latest Gorilla Glass, but it failed. This is a true succeeder to the Gorilla Glass. It's called Gorilla Glass Victus. Hopefully, it's not too much of a. Uh, cost increase mm-hmm. or uh, better protection but i'll probably buy it no matter what because it's going to eliminate any need for uh those screen protectors or yeah i think phone makers should design for that you do all this design work and try to make this beautiful phone and then you obligate them to buy ugly cases <laughs> and put screen protectors on it <laughs> uh. yeah if you're not like a uh, purist, you probably just automatically do that. The only case I have on my phone right now is that the later case. I still have it on because it's slim and it's not like the color. So. Yeah, I'm a purist. purist. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, don't have a case on my phone. It feels good in the hand. I, I can't get myself to put some ugly case on it. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder when it'll actually hit the tech community. I haven't seen anything about it yet. It's supposed to be with Samsung's flagship, I'm mm-hmm. assuming, or a new mid-range. Do you think it'll come out this year or next year? Probably this year. Uh, it's already announced in technology. It's been in works for a while, so... Yeah, the <laughs> Gorilla Glass is really old, and the, the next version is... I wonder how um, cheap, like how long it is until it goes widely available, besides just like the standard flagships from Samsung, Apple, and LG. I'm not sure. Does Apple even use Gorilla Glass? I don't remember. Probably have their own proprietary <laughs> glass. <laughs> Apple Glass. AT&T is uh, spreading their. Uh, actual new 5G last year a couple years ago they're like oh we have 5G and it's like a fake 5G they called it like 5G evolution which is basically (laughs) just uh, updated 4G 5G is supposed to be a gigabit a second Mm -hmm. the consumer doesn't know that so they just believe whatever number they slap on it yeah 
Um, but yeah, this is the real uh, rollout. It's now nationwide. If you're an NTT user, which probably most people are, you just need a 5G uh, capable phone. There's a few of those out. I know the mm-hmm. latest isn't. Did the OnePlus Seven, uh, OnePlus Eight? I think the OnePlus Eight had it. Probably this. I think the Samsung, uh, the latest Samsung Eight. What is it? Ten, Eight. I don't remember, but the latest Samsung has it. So there's a few devices, just not super common yet. Um, but that's cool. I think T-Mobile's getting all that. It's crazy how the 5G is out before. Yeah. Like the phones are actually mainstream 5G. <laughs> Probably one out of every 50 people <laughs> have a 5G phone or more or less. Maybe one out of every 100 or something. So it's kind of interesting to see how T-Mobile and AT&T, they say they have a 5G ready, but most people probably not using it. I did see uh, a different company, T-Mobile, is apparently next year is supposed to cut off uh, 2G and 3G phones off the um, really? spectrum. Yeah. I, I think that's good, frees up some things that <laughs> probably don't need to be used anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but there's some areas that don't have 4G, so... Yeah, I don't know. Probably yeah. in, like, the middle of nowhere in, uh I don't know. What's the middle of nowhere place? I don't know. I feel like most places have it, though. Sometimes I've used it or I've seen it. Uh-huh. Yeah, even my little town of Rungi, Texas has um, LTE. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so the customers <coughs> on AT&T that will get it are the limited starter wireless and the limited web only, and then starter business plans. I'm pretty sure it covers most people. Uh, I don't think there's many people that don't. I mean, I feel like those are the basic plans, not like a crazy expensive plan. They also have prepaid mm-hmm. plan. Customers can also get 5G enabled devices on unlimited plus plan. So many P's. <laughs> yeah. And those are the sub six, like the One Plus has, and then the MM Wave, which is 5G plus spectrum bands. That's uh, NTT China. I think mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't heard anything from Verizon. I think. T-Mobile already has their 5G out, so hopefully everyone starts to have 5G everywhere. Just better. Like, who doesn't want faster speeds? Who doesn't want, like, to be able to download videos, like, in seconds? (laughs) Yeah. As you can tell, Trevor is outnumbering me with topics, and he's doing two topics while I do one. (laughs) And, uh, yeah... To transition and give him a little break, <laughs> I am moving one of my follow-up topics <laughs> into yeah. a transition between um, his coverage of astrophysics news. Um, the topic is BitPay. I've kind of been saying I might test it out, and I did test it out. Um, I didn't want to put money on automatically on it because for some reason they didn't want me. They want didn't want to give me a card without me having ten dollars on it and an odd thing is that the minimum prepaid or the minimum amount you could put on it 
is $50 and I didn't want to put $50 on something that I might not use. So I was thinking, oh, maybe I could transfer a little money from uh, um, my Uphold account and move it over to BitPay. I found that Uphold is not a decentralized, um, they call it DeFi or dApps, decentralized finance or decentralized app. Everything on Uphold is kind of centralized. If you send money to somebody, it, it invites them to make an account with Uphold. So it's still retained within their system. You can't send it to anybody else's account yeah. outside of Uphold. So that didn't work out for me. After doing that, I realized that Uphold I'm using the Uphold because I like to use Brave, and Brave works with Uphold. And Uphold recently said that they have, uh, they are gonna have card. <laughs> they already have a card, <laughs> but when I tried to do it last time with them, my information that I uploaded was not correct. So I have to up, um, fix that. And in order to update that, I have to talk with their support and stuff. So I'm trying to I'm engaging in that and did you see my text earlier it's so crazy um the value of ETH this week like went up more than 30 percent it was like when I woke up this morning it was up um 35 percent since 35 last yeah, since last week Yeah, For like the past month or so, ETH has been pretty consistent around um, 2.30. And now it's... Yeah, uh, I wonder... I, I was thinking, you know, hopefully, it'd be cool if no. like, there is one of these not... Uh, what were you going to say? Not Bitcoin company or cryptocurrencies that come out to be like dominant. That'd be cool to see something like standard. So it's not like... I don't know. Something to actually, like, um, have a way against. They can't just, like, oh, what's Do- is Dogecoin, some random things. Like, no, this is, like, your standard, big, this is your standard, like, cryptocurrency instead of, like, being this giant, like, Bitcoin, which is, like, super expensive, so. Well, I don't think ETH is going to be the official currency. It's kind of the gas, the the fuel of uh, the ETH Ethereum. So most of the last month, ETH was valued in about uh, 230 and now it's valued uh, $308. <laughs> so that's a uh, pretty good month. When I visited with Dallin, he was saying there's going to be a bull run pretty soon. So I'm not sure if that started. But we go through cycles and it seems like this increase might be only temporary. I'm not sure. I haven't been very long in this. You said... uh, So Ethereum would probably... He's saying Ethereum's like a... uh, 
something that will be like the basis so everything else is like traded into that and then traded out into the currency you work with or ethereum is the blockchain and it uses eth to you have to pay an eth in order to do anything on the blockchain yeah does that answer your question uh, I, what i guess what i'm trying to say is is ethereum like your is Ethereum just like the bank part of it, like the storage, like within your wallet? Ethereum is the blockchain. Yeah, but blockchain is being compared to your wallet, right? Like not wallet, but you like storage, your bank, right? Ethereum has smart contracts. I think Bitcoin is the same way. When you you start a smart contract it's basically a programmed contract and if you don't follow it there's it's very black and white programmed contract and very it's pretty secure you can't just break a contract <laughs> or break the program basically <laughs> or it, the code you can't really do that because it's it's not normal to do that. <laughs> Ethereum is the blockchain platform. It has a bunch of uh, other protocols built on top of it and apps. Basically, all or like 99% of all currencies are based on Ethereum. Other countries might have something like China might have their own blockchain. Um, Bitcoin has their own blockchain. But most are on Ethereum. So Ethereum's not going to be your currency you trade with anymore than Bitcoin is? Well, I believe that uh, Ether is like the most secure thing so that's the main thing i invest in because Hmm. if ether is gonna die the whole thing is dead (laughs) but there's a lot of projects that disappear and the cryptocurrency becomes worthless (laughs) so it's i I like investing in the most stable thing um, yeah, that another thing about BitPay that I thought was ridiculous is that when I attempted to put $50 on, I was just checking it out to see what it's like. It asked me to pay $11 in order to put $50 in my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Hopefully there's another payment method system that works better than Bit- BitPay in the future. Maybe like it'd be crazy if like Google or Apple invest into blockchain. Yeah, I would think that uh, Apple might be first. Apple would probably wait like fifty years until it's like like super mainstream or something. <laughs> and we have, have no idea when it's gonna actually be mainstream, but uh, yeah, Apple loves having security. Probably. I'd imagine Apple would do it before Google. Yeah. I heard that Google 
is like pro-internet. Google's business is based on the internet. <laughs> Apple's business is not based on the internet. And so when they made the change to have Safari to not have cookies, well, I don't know if that's actually true because I checked out Safari and it still has cookies <laughs> and it still asks me and does all that stuff. If we are doing stuff to take away parts of the internet and stuff, it helps against their competitive advantage against Google. That makes sense, yeah. So, you guys ready? Are you ready for uh, today's astrophysics? <laughs> uh, yeah. Topic. Let's talk about some black holes. Cool. This is a interesting phenomenon of a black hole. We investigate today it's a very massive one but um i don't know if i mentioned about the anatomy of the black hole uh in the last few i don't think so okay so when a a scientist finds this um astronomy finds a black hole they they aren't found because because they're black right? i mean they they're the absence and they absorb everything but to find a black hole it is what they find spinning around it it's called the um the word they use is called the uh accretion disk it's that like debris that floats around the um actual black hole itself so black holes feed and grow by sipping from the accretion disk what mm-hmm. what i understand what my um first analogy to that is kind of like like space is i would say very comparable to like deep sea and oceans and water the black hole is kind of like drains like when like a whirlpool comes in right like it spins and like it has to have something to like in a drain it, it has some kind of force and it's draining water right so also black holes they sip in that's how they keep going it's the accretion disk mm-hmm. and this article is difficult for anything to fall directly through the event event horizon without first breaking up and spending time rolling circles around it mm-hmm. and then in in parentheses, it says, this is true of any heavy object in space. It's it's much harder to fall into the sun, for example, than it is to orbit it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the matter in a creation disk does eventually fall into the black hole, but uh, only after a long period of circling the drain. Mm-hmm. Um, this group of scientists, it's actually a bunch <laughs> of them all over the world. They, uh, they were watching this black hole and this black hole is off in this distant galaxy called IS 1927-654. And it's visible due to its corona. It's uh, the ring of superheated particles rolling around its event horizon. And it was nestled inside a seemingly ordinary active galactic nu- um, nucleus, which is short agent, AGN, for now say that. Um, this black hole's corona back in March 2018 was being observed by the All Sky Automated Survey for Supernovae or Assassin, a group of 24 Ohio State University telescopes. And they're all uh, around the world des- designed to hunt supernovas, and they pick up a 40 fold increase in brightness. 
the guy said, oh, it wasn't very special. It was kind of out in the middle. Mm-hmm. But and then suddenly it got super bright. But it was like uh, super, it was dim. And then suddenly super bright, like 10,000 times less. Wait, what? Seemed to get 10,000 less bright in less than a year. Then they saw that um, they usually see this change over 10,000 years. They saw over a factor of 108 hours, which is unheard of and totally mind boggling. Then it said that the dimming didn't last though, and then it, the black hole lit up exactly how it did before it flashed and disappeared. What happened, they don't know exactly. They have a theory, because like what we started with, the accretion disk. What happened in theory might have been is something, for something to drop out of the accretion disk into a black hole, um, it would have to like jostle. It has to jostle that object. So it has to be like, it could be turbulence, it could be maybe like something heavy. So they're thinking maybe like something like a big massive star like smacked into the corona. And it like the star might have broken up the accretion disk enough to like knock all the orbiting matter into the black hole at once. <laughs> and they call this they call this a tidal disruption. <laughs> it's because of, like so like the whole like ring it has got interrupted. Oh, that's crazy. So yeah, and it said that the rogue star could have, like, disrupted the magnetic field lines. And it said the collision with the star could have been enough to have the corona fall apart. And if that's what happens, it's a huge deal. It's, like, a massive big deal. Yeah, so <laughs> with this, if this... That's crazy. <laughs> Some galaxy ran into us. Black yeah. Hole. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, in the end, Carl, the scientist, says, with this caveat it, that this event happened from a stellar tidal disruption, this might be some of the strictest constraint we have where the uh, corona might exist, must exist. We, m- we want to keep an eye on it. It's still in this unusual high flux state, and maybe it'll do something crazy again, so we don't want to miss that. Within the last months, we have so much like new data and stuff about black holes. It's like a constant development. We learn so much. It's pretty crazy. Didn't you say... What's the difference between a galaxy and a solar system? I thought... It seems like I think every every star is a solar system. Or I don't know what's the difference between a solar system and a galaxy. I thought... I don't know. Well, a galaxy is like... A, like a neighborhood of stars. So we live in the Milky Way galaxy. It's not the Milky Way solar system. We revolve around the solar system, which our sun's the sun. And then we have like the nine planets and the moons around us. So that's the solar system galaxy is where our star is going around. And mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the yeah. super big star, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> big sun that ran into the yeah this giant star ran in, ran into this black hole and like disrupted this whole ring it had and it's like all the marbles just like fell into <laughs> the hole and <laughs> it must yeah. be a, a pretty big star if it wasn't like affected by the gravitation yeah you know like what you said like it, Usually, things don't just, like, fall into a black hole. It has to, like, um, join into the creation disk, the corona, and and then slowly get (laughs) eaten by it. So, yeah, I wonder, like, what pushed it out? Like, what kind of momentum it came out of? Like, 
maybe he got flung yeah. off and doesn't like black hole or something. I don't know. I don't know what would like what would uh, cause such a star to just smack into a black hole. Then a uh, little topic after that was there's uh, a bunch of black holes that presumably went missing. This is the article I wasn't going to talk about, but it's pretty quick. It's for a while these. Um, a team of researchers who were watching this 28 black holes and in one moment they just disappeared from the um, sky and they were just like okay I guess they're done but they uh, noticed later that they saw that these black holes are actually still around but they identified this because within the time that they're gone they called this cocooning in this time the black hole was like developing but it was like enveloped by dust and gas that causes it not to be detectable mm-hmm. these were they found 67 of these like supermassive black holes that were still ongoing it's just <laughs> they were being like shrouded by dust and rays uh, dust and particles that caused our current telescopes to not detect it yeah it's interesting but yeah yeah, I think that was a topic that you were considering of sharing last week. <laughs> it was like, almost interesting and good enough, but... Uh, eh. I mean, it's interesting, but it's cool. It just means that maybe it's more black holes than we expected mm-hmm. to be in the world, in the universe. Do they have a number on how many? Or is it like in the thousands? Probably in the thousands. I don't know. Well, they said out of what they noticed were missing, they've noticed more than that. They found 67 black holes instead of just 28. It's like uh, three times time, three times the increase of the amount they've used to see. I don't know. That's my uh, astrophysics uh, for today. Really? You went through all three of them? Yeah, the first uh, were the same. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Trevor seems to be uh, having his special thing at the end, so he might have something for us. <laughs> what? Yeah, we're supposed to have Nick um, on uh, next week. It's going to be a, uh, a new song we were talking about with him. Uh, um, I think it's called Dark, Dark Romance. Alex has a little remakes we might uh, talk about too. And Yeah, we'll see what Nick says about that. I hope you enjoyed my theme song. Yeah, I'm going to put my theme song whenever I'm on, or I host, and whenever... I'm the one that usually hosts, I start usually, but there's occasions when Trevor starts it off because maybe I have more topics than him or something like that, I don't know. But yeah, sometimes Trevor hosts it, and I'll put Thomas's theme when Trevor hosts, and I'll put my theme when I host, and Nick... I don't know how long we'll have new songs with him, but yeah, <laughs> I'll see which one that he. What we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, Nick this week uh, is feeling a little um, unfit for a common day occurrences, so we are uh, putting it off to next week to have him. He's feeling better. Um, he's having trouble breathing normally, so he gotten that under control a little more I'm guessing mm-hmm. so by the time we have him he should be completely up to par and working yeah so thank you for uh, listening to the podcast 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to talk about a um, thing I watched on uh, season two of Pokemon. It was very interesting to me. Since uh, <laughs> season one ends uh, at Pokemon, uh, Ash is in the Pokemon League. He obviously didn't win. Uh, he lost to one of his best friends he makes. He gets really depressed and stuff like that. Anyways, after that, season two starts and they have a little party for the Pokemon League. Then they head off to the Orange Islands. But um, the interesting things is in the Orange Islands, the original quest was to... Um, from one of the main professors there, Professor Ivy. Uh, they have to return this GS ball mm-hmm. from Ivy to Oak. The GS ball, this is in uh, mm-hmm. the original airtime, was in February 11th, 1999. So, what does GS remind you of the letters? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of some, some team, maybe like the Galactic Society or something like that. Some, <laughs> I don't know what. No. The GS ball is like a famous ball because in gold and silver, GS, gold, silver, uh, it's like a ball, a special ball. Celebi was like known to have some kind of relationship with it. Um, so they have this ball, the GS ball, that can't be transferred through the PC system. So they have to carry it. Okay. Um <laughs> think it's an interesting how much they hinted to the second game the golden silver series this is so mm-hmm. the original golden Sol- silver release date were november 1999 mm-hmm. so pokemon and game freak they've been known for always hinting to the next game it's just most of the time we don't pick up into it until like we know the games are coming out they've been doing this since the beginning since February 1999, even before that Togepi came out, right? We see uh, Mystery have Togepi and see February, March, April, May, June, July, August. Eight months mm-hmm. before the games come out, we have hints to a second uh, game in the Pokemon series. Then uh, later on, in a few more episodes down, after Brock leaves the party and goes and stays with this other professor, the new guy, Tracy, he comes out with his Meryl. So Meryl's already introduced in the first game's uh, regions. Yeah, I remember Meryl's like a really big thing. I think they're trying to make him like the next Pikachu or something. Yeah. Way back when. Meryl was one of the first Gen 2 Pokemon to be revealed. Generation 2 wasn't even out yet. Mm-hmm. Then, I don't know, there's a bunch of origin things that I saw while watching. Like, there's a episode where there's a surfing Pikachu and that was a big thing there's like surfing Pikachu, flying Pikachu I just remember there's a bunch of like different Pikachu things that, and the uh, card games are like rare and interesting things that see appear and then uh, the Orange Island has their own Pokemon League, I thought that was interesting because there's gyms you can go find and um, finish the, the Orange League uh, badge collection and then you can go to the Orange League. 
So was the Orange Island part of Gold and Silver? No, they actually don't have any games with the Orange Islands, which I think would be really cool. Maybe you start out with like Mary following Pokemon Pokemon, and then you go around and uh, do different things. That's my little thing that I thought was really cool to see. Like months before Gold and Silver even come out, there's little hints here and there about a new release. Like it's there's no way. Like how would you guess? Like GS Ball is going to refer to Gold and Silver. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did you play Gold and Silver? I don't remember playing that game. Yeah, I, I when it first came out, I got um, gold and crystal version. I remember specifically getting crystal version. I was super excited for it because it came out. And I remember going to Toys R Us and picking it up one of the first days it came out. I pre-ordered it. I was, yeah, it was really exciting days. It was like hmm. the, the first game to have um, the moving sprite animations when it came into battle. They had like a full color um, array for each city and there would be like route pop-ups so when you walked into route 2 it'd say oh you're in route 2 and for each city it'd also pop up like oh Eric and all those cities in uh, Johto it's awesome I I think Crystal is probably one of my favorite Pokemon games so what generation was that? Uh, second generation I don't know if I played it or not has Ho okay. and Lugia on the front of the um, game to box out. Yeah, I thought so. But also, Lugia was like originally to be only a movie uh, Pokemon for Pokemon 2000. And since mm -hmm. they saw so much success in like the fan base, they decided to put it on one of the other boxes for silver. It goes Ho-Oh for gold and then Lugia for silver. And I think it worked out well. Yeah. So... So they're just going to have gold version and that's it? Um, I mean, maybe they could have had like a different legendary on the other side. I don't know. Maybe like mm. a Celebi. Maybe like one of the three legendary dogs. Who knows what they could have put in, but yeah. They What's the three legendary dogs? The three legendary dogs? I remember playing that game. Yeah, that's, that's gold and silver and crystal. Oh, I did play that. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I thought it was pretty cool to see Game Freak and uh, the Pokemon Company do that. They they've always done that since the beginning. Like they, we always see it in the current games. We see like little hints too, like oh, they're gonna come out with a Diamond Pearl remake. Like that's what we're expecting for the next games. They've left little mm -hmm. hints into it, but they haven't really announced anything for that yet. So. Hmm. Yep. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to my uh, random Pokemon thing at the end. So, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. Thanks for making the podcast, coming with all your topics. Of course. I'll talk to you later. Hasta luego. Bye.